You're listening to Season 4 of Views from the Bridge, your second favorite podcast about the Philadelphia Union. We are a part of the Beautiful Game Network. For soccer podcasts, writing, and any other content, visit bgn.fm. Let's get right to it. Do we want to be a good team, or do we want to be f***ing great? Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Use from the Bridge, your second favorite Philadelphia Union podcast. We're here uh, again, uh, and we're doing another episode, uh, but I'm Justin, and I'll be your host for this evening's episode. With me, I've got two of the guys. Paul Katrina Jr. is here. Howdy, everyone. I... um... Wanted to do a quick moment of silence for all the listeners that we're going to lose tonight um, after some Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, stop. Nah, nah, it's all good. We, we love everyone. We love everyone that listens to this show. It's great, but um, you're not going to agree with me on some stuff. So just forewarning. That's okay. Well, yeah, let's start there. That's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, Chuck Booth is also here. Um, do I want to be after what what just um, transpired? Uh, yes. So <laughs> here's here's where here's where I want to start tonight uh, because I, I don't want to talk about the games. Um, <laughs> Great, awesome, so, cool. So, what do you want to talk about tonight, Justin? So uh, let's start here, uh, guys. You had a chance to sit down with Jack McGlynn last week. Uh, super fun episode and, and just super fun interview with Jack. I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't. I, I won't. I won't try to. I have some stuff that I'd love to talk about from the interview. But any anything that you guys have from the interview that impressed you about Jack, or just anything interesting that you found coming out of our conversation with him. Um, I mean, truly, like, just his entire mindset and mentality, like, to be that young and think the way that he does, like, even when he was going into just like, what goes through his head on the field, like, there's plenty of players who have finished playing the game that still don't have that thought process that he has while he's on the field. And I mean, it shows and it's just so impressive he's got confidence in his goal orientation he's very focused on the here and now which is just essential to remain present in day-to-day activities especially when you're going through the stress of being a professional athlete that young um and he's able to be lighthearted too like you know he's clowning with a lot of these guys on the team and you can tell like it's is definitely someone a good to have in that locker room right now. Yeah, I was pretty similar to you, Chuck. I thought, like, he he has, like, he has a veteran mindset. And, and he knows, like, just, you know, I think, we, you know, you guys asked him questions around just what makes him so confident on the field and how does he, you know, do that. And, you know, his response was very much like, well, I'm just thinking about where I want to go with the ball next. As soon as I get, you know, as soon as the ball's passed to me, I just think about where I want to go with it next. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, (laughs) it's like Like, that is the maturity that, you know, only comes from getting a lot of reps. But if you start at that place, then you're only going to get better from there. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's almost a savant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like not getting lost in the mo, like not letting the moment escape from you. It's just that that presentness of, you know, it's like it's not this defines my career, or it's not that I've messed up this past before in the past. It's no, analyze the situation now and move forward from it, no matter the result. Mhm. Mhm. Some damn good mental health on that kid. That's that's what I'll say, <laughs> for sure. He's got it. He's got it figured out. For sure. And Jack Elliott, best penalty taker on the team. Right? Like I said, yeah. I think he's trying to catch up to uh, Glesnes. I really think he's like seeing him score all these bangers, getting on these uh, good social media posts and being like, that could be me. Yeah, I don't believe it until I see Jack Elliott take a free kick. I, I mean... To, to be fair, we are not seeing these guys kick the ball nearly well, as much I'm, as these soccer I'm, minds are. I'm I'm aware, but I would like to see it on the field. <laughs> um, we've seen Jacob Clusters take a free kick. I want to see Jack Elliott take one. I just don't want the people to be like absolutely shook when Jake when Jack like pushes Jacob off the ball and is like, no, no, no. I got this one. And it's like, you should have seen this coming. If you heard the interview, you knew that this was coming. Like, <laughs> Jack's getting one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, it was, it was good to, in any case, it was good to hear a little bit more about Jack McBain and his story and uh, just hearing a little bit more of, uh, you know, how he thinks about the game and, and all that was fun. It's just it's good to have a guy like that in the locker room who's what seventeen or whatever he is, and uh, so it's just fun to hear the interview. So good job, guys, with the with the interview and doing that. Appreciate um, it. We have some soccer games to talk about. Um, oh, I where guess. do we start? Well, well, let's start at the beginning of May. <laughs> and uh, Sunday, May 1st, the uh, Boys in Blue opened the new Nashville Stadium with a 1-1 draw in Nashville. And I don't I don't know, guys. I My initial thought on this game was that it wasn't a it's, – it's not a bad result in and of itself. No, not really. I mean, you got <laughs> Mr. Mikel to get his first goal. Uh, so he's finally off the mark, and he got to score the first goal in Geodas Park history. Like, Geodas Park forever unclean. It's it's great. We get to put our stamp on some history there. And it's not even our field. Um, yeah, I mean, union union draws are hard. Because they do enough in every draw that it could very easily be a win. And that is the mark of a good team. But also, like, if you look at the beginning of the game against Nashville, it could have very easily been a loss if Mm. um, a few of those shots didn't hit the post or Andre Blake wasn't literally Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I would. I mean, I would definitely agree with you on that. I think it is hard because I think it, it, yeah. There's there's a lot of games 
in which you look at it and you're like, ah, that could have easily very, that could have been a win or it could have been a loss. And like, and maybe that is just the sign of a fair draw. I don't know. I just, you know, like you said, I think the first, the first half of the game, this, it was very much a game of two halves. And I think like, if you look at the first half of the game against Nashville, you kind of would assume that the union lost the game. You look at the second half of the game, and you kind of would assume that the Union won the game, or at least the first 35 minutes of the first half of the game. And so I think it is hard to kind of evaluate that game of, like, what? Well, I mean, I do at least, like, one, like, majorly good thing from that game is that... Daniel Gazdag essentially played one of the best passes that he's ever played in a union shirt um, just after basically everyone, um, including myself, was on him about the fact that he wasn't creating enough as just being the 10 for this team. So it is good to see that at least like um, it seems like Jim Curtin has talked to him about that and it made a difference on the field. Yeah. And that that game too for me, I think uh uh I mean that game it, yeah, I mean that game for me as well just showed Carranza's potential and like it, this team has not hit their best stride yet and it's a scary thing to think about cuz we still are sitting near the top of the table, top of the table. But like, it's, this team is not, this team is not done. This team is not complete. Um, and it's, it could be scary if this team ever hits their top stride. And I think a lot of that argument is really centered around the fan base right now going, yeah, these results are good, but we've kind of seen this team be better than good, so now we expect them to be great, which raises the bar a bit too high at the moment. Because <laughs> it's not it, it's not their best. It's not their most complete. That's not what this is. Yeah, but so and and yeah, I mean that is an interesting thing because it's like does it really matter if the end result of every week as of right now is a um, first place spot in the Eastern conference would at least coming into the season, we would have been pretty happy with a top two finish. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like the spot hasn't been lost yet and people can worry. It's like, well, well, those two points can come back and hurt us when these games happen. And it's like, stop trying to predict the future. <laughs> Let these things just happen. Well, all, and, and I mean, well, also, drawing Nashville away is like literally the expectation of playing Nashville. Like, yeah. if you're yeah. going to bet on any single outcome in soccer, it's drawing Nashville at their home stadium especially now that they have one. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I get that last year it was, like, frustrating when it was, like, 
draws against the fire. That's not what this is. It's not. Yeah. Not even yeah. a little bit. I I was drunk in Atlanta when that Nashville game happened, and I still placed a bet on the draw. I knew, like, that is the <laughs> easiest call to make. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it sets people, well, when these next two games happen, it really does set people up because you're not seeing the wins happen anymore, and with the last home game having been at Montreal, that draw, it's... I can understand why it leaves a bad taste in people's mouths that team doesn't win that game. That's okay. Fine. So be it. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I was going to say. Pretty similar. Like, I think, yeah, you go back to the Montreal game and, and that's a pretty disappointing draw because that's not a team who's, that's not a team who's good. And, or great, um, and then but you go against Nashville, and then we can kind of you know I don't think there's too much more from the Nashville game to talk about. No, let's but I, let's fly more west. So let's actually fly west. Yeah. So well, um, well, go. Ahead. I have one yeah. thing, and that's more just setting the stage for other discussions that we're going to have. Okay, Chuck has um, run into the Nashville airport, and he has stopped the flight from boarding. I was about because to because Corey but... Burke came on the field. Uh, uh, that's what you needed to tell me before this flight took off. I'm, I'm trying to get to California, but man. I 100% need to tell you because <laughs> it sets the stage for literally everything else we're about to discuss. Yeah. Because yes, it does. The yeah, major problems sure. in the Nashville game started when Julian Carranza left and Corey Burke entered. And then they continued through the next two games that we are going to discuss. <laughs> All right, great. They're boarding group seven. I really need to get on this plane. You can now get on the plane. Okay, great. great. <laughs> get my peanuts and go to bed. Great. Um, <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be an interesting discussion, Paul, because I watched this entire game with you. So <laughs> we've already talked about this game. <laughs> The Union uh, go out to LAFC. Well, let me just go back one second. I think the Nashville game, in and of itself, I don't think it's a bad result. I think coming off the Montreal game, it feels bad because now you've gotten two draws in a row. And we'll talk about LAFC, you get three in a row. But I think, I think in and of itself, you look at that game, like you said, Chuck, you're not guaranteed any more than a draw when you go into Nashville. And... When there's 30,000 screaming, excited fans because they just opened their new stadium and they're in their new, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be tough to win there anyway. So in and of itself, I'm not disappointed about that game. I think contextually, I'm a little bit more disappointed about the game. But the Union uh, on Saturday uh, decided to fly out to LAFC and play the latest game in the history of known to man. Um, why we can't play the game at six o'clock local time so that it is not so freaking late out here. I don't know, but top of the East, top of the West, Philadelphia, LAFC, two, two draw. I, and I feel bad for missing the party, um, about the game, but since, um, I was at my boyfriend's parents' house, I would have, um, gotten in trouble for, being on 
Twitter spaces during an entire game that I'm already like sneaking away into the corner to watch on my laptop while everyone else is socializing. <laughs> we we totally understand. We we were shouting so, a little bit and it was very late at night. It, it was <laughs> very late. It was, it was very late at night. I don't understand this, you know, thing. Anyway, Daniel, Daniel Gosdog opens the scoring in the ninth minute. Uh, and then LAFC ties the game in the 56th minute. Carranza opens another lead in the 67th minute. And then Escobar ties the game in the 82nd minute. What thoughts do you guys have about this game? LAFC is whatever you thought about them last year. Please throw it out the trash and please wake up and realize that this is going to be one of the best teams that's gonna we're gonna have to be dealing with in MLS for a while. Um, it's it is not you think going into Nashville is gonna be hard nowadays? It it really is gonna be just as hard to go into LA and try to capture points from them. They are very very good. Yeah, I mean they're yeah they were among one of my picks for winning MLS Cup because just that um, roster is so good and even with them being short a couple of their regulars for this game that was not a problem for them. Um, but luckily, I don't even want to attempt to pronounce their other center back's name who played with Fall, but. Luckily, he was there because that did help a bit. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, this game was great overall, considering that um, you had Mikel Aura, um not present because he's hurt. Yeah. And that was the thing that prompted a huge uproar of people to be like, where's he? Why isn't the team telling us what happened to him? I'm not going to watch the game now. Then go to bed. Go to bed. You're not watching (laughs) this one guy. You're watching this because you want to watch the union. Come on. To be fair, I didn't want to watch um, 60 minutes of scoring, not scoring Burke. Um and unfortunately, it was actually, actually sixty four, Chuck. So I know we got sixty four. That's minutes the thing. We got extra minutes of something we didn't need. Like <laughs> truly, at at this point, what does Burkett striker bring that Quinn Sullivan, Baxen Aronson, and Daniel Gazdog can't? Nothing. They they are all I, humans. Maybe. Because, yeah, I mean, because it, it's like, we're I, I, we're kind of a Route 1 team, but not right now. It's weird. I don't, I, I don't know how to describe how the Union play in attacking transition because it doesn't exist. Um, it's because it's because it really is just like hope you can hit one of your fast forwards over the top or that Julian Carranza has just like done something superhuman and can bring down the ball in the box. And, like, somehow it works, which is impressive, but, like, it shouldn't, and there is no transition play, which is an interesting thing um, that, like, 
I know for Steve Trundle, he was um, complaining that the union skipped the midfield, which is like both true and not true at the same time. Yeah, just because they have so, just because like Flock and Bedoya don't need to be like on the ball all the time doesn't mean that they're not involved in some way in how they approach in their counterattack, but or in their regular attack, I should say. But it it's not like it doesn't matter. Well, and and even like specifically in this game, so Leon Flock and Alejandro Bedoya together won seven tackles, and. Every single one was important to getting the break going the other way, um, which just shows how good this team is in transition because when you concede as much possession as they do, you need those midfielders to be an absolute workhorse in midfield. Um, just because we don't have Kellen Acosta and Eli Sanchez to be able to just like magically pass the ball up the field doesn't mean that we skip midfield we just play it differently than LA does um but yeah just every second of Burke that I see right now kills me um because I really thought I really thought that with signing two strikers we would not have to see him at all this season um and it's it's just definitely frustrating just rolling in and be, seeing like this is the lineup when you're happy with just about every position but one. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with a lot of what you said. I think I, yeah, I mean, I think that even thinking about this game, I mean, so this this game for for me was what MLS soccer is supposed to be Hmm. it was it was it was two of the best teams in the league going toe-to-toe and making it fun to watch you know like there was nothing in this game that i was like well dang blake should have saved that and that you know uh if he had saved that then we would have won the game or even kind of on the other end of like, oh man, if Kripal had saved that one, then you know the Union wouldn't have tied the game and whatever else. It, like they were just, it was fun soccer. It was good soccer. It was talented players on the field, and like you said, Chuck, I think the one weak link on the Union side was Corey Burke. I just there was he didn't add anything to the game, and and probably multiple times he actually took took stuff away from exactly and so i think that that i I think union fans just in general have a right to be frustrated about that of like you have santos who generally every time he's on the field whether it's 60 minutes at the beginning or 30 minutes at the end adds something to the game you have Ure who seems to be figuring out this league a little bit you have carranza who has been way more than we expected at the beginning of the season. And and then you have Corey Burke. <laughs> and so when you go, when you have a game against one of the best teams in the league, probably maybe the best team in the league, it's frustrating when that's your striker situation. That being said, I do have to, Carranza's goal 
might be one of the best goals we see this entire season. I still don't know how that went in. Like, he's falling down, shooting, and somehow curves the ball over not only the defender and um, Kripo, and poof. Like, I, I just don't know. Well, uh, I mean, with with the real mechanics behind it, where they teach strikers how to finish through the ball from a certain time on the clock to a certain time on the clock, when you do that thousands of times and that natural, like, move through the ball happens, your body could be in any friggin' position, and that ball's going to fly. But still, even with all of that taken into account, it should not have been as perfect of a shot as it should have taken. I mean, if anything, if it had gone wide, I would have been shouting like, Oh, that's probably a penalty. They like ripped him down in the box. Like they they killed my man. But I didn't even look to see if that even happened. I just didn't care because it was so clean off of his foot. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, that's gonna go in. <laughs> it's. I mean, what can what can you say? It's been a dream to see Carranza playing like this, and especially to score goals that good. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, like, watching it again right now, and I just don't, like, I don't get it. Um, Is he, like, bodied? I, mean, I think he's got two guys on him, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got one He's got one guy, like, basically on his back, another closing him down, and still is able to get the shot off on one foot falling to the ground. And it's almost a one-touch shot as Daniel Gazdog passes him into space. Like, I... I just don't get it. Timing, timing, <laughs> timing. Man. Like I said, it might it might be one of the best goals we see this entire season from that just that perspective of like it probably shouldn't have gone in, but it did. And did it, he even did he even win goal of the week for that? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. I'd assume probably not. They took away right. my vote, so I stopped watching them. <laughs> what? <laughs> just kidding. No. I, I was going to say, everyone can vote. vote for vote goal of the week. No, they, they stopped when I kept recommending uh, Ray Gads' goal should be nominated. And they're like, what are you talking oh, about? Which one? And I was like, ha ha, roast it again. <laughs> Got it. So you've been, blocked by M- you've been blocked by MLS Soccer? Not yet. Don't manifest that, please. That's the only way you can't vote for goal of the week. (laughs) And then I guess we can talk about, too, another inch-perfect cross off of the left foot of Kai Wagner. Right into Daniel Gosdok's pass. Past everybody. I don't know how he keeps doing it. It, It's so good. You really, like, it's so imperative as a defender or as whoever has to pick him up to close him down as soon as you can, because it's, if you give him a possible, if you give him a second, it's just like, I have analyzed the situation left foot go. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny because like every single time that I'm concerned that the left back of this team is the best creative outlet on the team. Kai just goes and does something ridiculous again to be like, Eh, it doesn't matter. I'm just better than all of them. Like I, um, it's just absolutely insane. And like, if in playing like 
Nathan Harriel can learn like even half of that. Like we're again we're again at this point where it's just like if both fullbacks are even like average crossers of the ball into the box, like this team's taking off. Yeah. Um and I know we thought we had that with the Olivier Mbizo, but he hasn't proven to be strong enough on the defensive end to still hold up. So it's just hoping that because Harriel is very quickly becoming like the best defender on this team. And that's by just like every metric from tackles and interceptions to just goals prevented, like what he's done on the right side of the field, locking down everyone is pretty insane. Um, That just, if, yeah, if he's able to inherit um, some of Mbizo or Wagner's powers would be amazing. If he can inherit the power. <laughs> he requires stones to collect in a gauntlet. <laughs> but, Paul, you had something to say. Me? I yes. Have, I, have something, I always have something to say. I know, but... You explicitly had something to say there. Uh, uh, you had to stop yourself. I'm so sorry, guys. I've got COVID brain. I must have... I, 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 I don't know where we're at right now. What did I forget to not say? Well, maybe may for your for your visual reference, I don't know if you were wanted me to stop or you wanted to talk. Oh, no. This? No. <laughs> Anyway, oh, no, I don't no, know. I, I'm wiping my nose, man. <laughs> I don't know what's I'm happening sick, right baby. now. So we're I'm, gonna, I'm just so sick. <laughs> we're going to move on. Because we do have one more game to talk about. So I think, I mean, I think wrapping up the LAFC game, I, mean, I feel very similar to the Nashville game. I thought it was a great game. I thought, you know, if you're looking at the quality of the two games, the game against LAFC was um, way better. <laughs> in the game against Nashville and I think like you take it out of the con like you take it out of contextually what is happening um I thought the game was great and um unfortunately we didn't come away with the win but um I'm not going to complain too much about a a 2-2 draw in LA uh unfortunately last evening uh the union played another game and sort of ruined uh, maybe most of the goodwill. <laughs> they they didn't ruin anything. They did what needed to be done. <laughs> wow. Okay. We're going to go from there. Uh, Orlando City 2, Philadelphia <laughs> Union 1. Uh, a grand total of one goal out of the Union, and it comes from a center back. Um, Who does not start, which, usually. <laughs> well, which center back? Because that was his first Union goal. And he might as well have been playing striker. So, we... we... I'm sorry, Justin. I need you to preface real quick that uh, what kind of competition was this game? No, so no, 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 Orlando no. 2, no, no. Philadelphia wait, wait. 1. No, wait. I want to... Before yeah, we, we do we, that, we, I want to talk about the game. And then yeah. we can talk about the competition that it was in and the, and the implications of that. I thought... Because that matters. No, but it if, does not. But if, <laughs> it, it, no, if we need any... If, 
we need Justin to moderate any discussion. It's the one that's about to come. Fair so, enough. Justin. I, so, no. So, first of all, I want to talk about... I want to talk about the game in general. I, I, I will be honest. I did not get to watch the whole game, but I basically got to watch all three goals. So, I'll... I'll say that I, I I did get to watch a chunk of this game for the most part uh, one of the Orlando City goals should have gone in the other should not have but that's the way the cookie crumbles <laughs> any thoughts on the game in general before we get to the competition that it lied in and the implications of that I mean I have two okay um Obviously, we know where the first one is going to be because we had a Christmas tree formation that went up to a striker that shouldn't be leading the line in a Christmas tree. Um, uh, what striker are you talking about, Chuck? Is it one you've mentioned before? Maybe once or twice. Okay. The, the Jamaican guy. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, don't, don't need to say his name again because I'm sure everyone knows who I'm talking about. The other is um, the kids are all right, except one that's a little concerning, and that's Matt Fries. Um, I I really try... I try to not judge keepers too harshly in general, just because it is really hard to take into context um, everything that's going on during a game when they're trying to orient their defenders and everything. Um, but I mean, realistically, he could have been at minimum better positioned on both goals, hopefully preventing the one from distance, um, as I do firmly believe that most goals scored from distance are keeper errors. Um, and just like. It, it's a it's a weird situation with him because he's obviously had like very good performances for the senior team. He's had points when he's also like had to step in for Andre Blake and has been terrible. And he's also had one of the worst red cards that I've ever seen. Um, so I re- I I just really don't know what to do because like. We obviously don't want to see Joe Bendick actually play games. Um, and we do know that because if Joe Bendick plays, we lose. But when you also had to choose Freeze over Thomas Romero, who last year actually had like good MLS performances, um, it's just really a, a tough scenario. And we may, especially considering how much MLS has to play with um, a backup goalkeeper, we may need to look at an upgrade there. I I mean, so I get what you're saying. I, I do think, un, unfor- you know, unfortunately on the goals, one took a major deflection. The other... I I mean, that other one from distance, I think he caught that just as about as sweet as you can catch one from that distance and put it on a rope. It was low. It was 
you know, in the corner, it was hard. I, I do think the other thing that's hard about free judging freeze on this game is if there has been anything consistent about the union, it's the back six. And you change five of them, and then you put a new goalkeeper back there, and you go, hey, do as well as Blake does. And I... That's where I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I no, I mean, I, I'm def- yeah, and like, and that, and that's why, like, I tried to be pretty hesitant in my criticism of him because, like, it, it really is tough. Like, he's handed an almost impossible job, but it's with like those impossible jobs, it probably is better for an experienced keeper that's not Joe Bendick to take them instead of a kid. Yeah. Sure. I just, I think it's, I think it's hard. Cause even on both, I mean, both shots. So, and, and maybe the first one is exception to this. Cause you're kind of behind him at that point. But I think, especially the shot from distance, I don't think that shot gets through if Jose Martinez is playing the six. And that's fair. You know, like, it's like when you have a guy who is, pretty naturally an eight and not saying that he doesn't do well as a six but when you have a guy who's pretty naturally an eight playing the six you're not going to be as defensively strong as if you have a guy who is an out and out six and so i think you know i you're right i mean i think a lot of these things could freeze have played both goals better yeah probably um could the defense could the center backs and Flock have been a little better on both shots. Yeah, probably. And but. yeah, and let's be real, like nothing about that team that was put out outside of the two center backs was defensively sound. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like there was so much exploitation of the wings in this game. It was like it's not things you can call out really like individuals for because it was such a rotation that like, there's no way there was going to be clean cohesion that we usually see from Philadelphia union defenses. It's, it's definitely a lot to ask of Matt freeze for sure. But I said that game's definitely a little bit different. If you have some stability there to kind of settle everyone in and keep, keep people where they need to be. All of that, all of that said, I think overall, I mean, I feel like I don't, there's nothing in me that blames Jim for this lineup. I think it, it was a risk, but it's a risk you have to take with as many games as you have this month. And knowing that you have, like we're playing again now, we're playing two games in the next six days. And I think it's like, you know, you, you have to take that risk. I think I I think I wish we would have done one less sub or one less switch from the normal lineup. And I I don't know which one that is. It could have been keeping Kai on the field, it could have been keeping Jose Martinez on the field. I don't I don't know what switch I would have rather them stick with for this for this game, but I think I would have I think I would have wished for one less swap. But but you um you play them and then you end up in a situation like our opponents this weekend, the New York Red Bulls, where Aaron Long played in their Open Cup game last night after 
also similar situation, lots and lots of games, had to be withdrawn in the 10 minute, 10th minute. Um, it is hopefully just muscle soreness, but it's also in the same leg that he has already tore his sure. ACL in. Um, and I know Jose Martinez was a doubt for this game. Like, it was very welcome to see that he was even on the bench. Um the defense basically outside of Nathan Harriel had played every minute this season, just about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sure. I understand what you're saying, Chuck. I agree. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's like, what sub do you make and how do you not make it? And do you, you know, you risk injury. All of that is totally true. I, yeah, I, I agree uh, with you. No, I mean, that, that's, that's definitely the thing just like, getting into this and and it's like um Jim Curtin's hands were truly tied when it came to picking a lineup for this because like 95% of the guys that he had available to him were in like whatever your fitness red zone is where in less than 72 hours after playing that game in LA if they played in this game they just would have been done and not been able to play. And I I mean, you can blame at least a little bit of that on roster management coming into the season, because this is one of the couple of games so far that we again have gone to the, if Jamiro Montero's out there, you probably won the game because you didn't need much to actually win this game. And even when the, actual lineup came out one of the my like first responses on it was is jesus bueno dead because if he's not somewhere around this especially after like featuring sparingly last year like what and where is he yeah yeah and and i think a lot of those conversations too like another factor people don't take into account is them talking to the players like, you know, you've got to talk to these guys after you do this L.A. game and they wake up Sunday morning and it's like, dude, we've got a really busy week ahead. Like, these are definitely conversations Jim has to be having with these players before coming out with these lineups because it's not like it's not like guys like Bedoya and Martinez are going down to Orlando going like, man, I'm not starting this game. And they're like, just finding out about it before the game. Like we are. No, like they they know what's going on. They know what the deal is and how they need to approach this season. It's, it's nice that people were able to be given chances last night. It's unfortunate that it didn't look as cohesive as people maybe wanted it to look. And the kids were not like absolutely astounding and game breakers in every way, but it it was still good. It was. It was hey, but that's, good. That's what's going to happen when you have what two starters on the field. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Exactly. This it, wasn't even an A minus team. This was a B team. Well, yeah. and and yeah, and I mean, and you also just get into the like if you don't play the kids there, when do you? Because every other MLS game matters when you're chasing supporter shield um like this is the first that we've seen matt real like for significant minutes this season 
it's the most minutes that we've seen any of the trio of Jack McGlynn, Paxton Aronson, or Quinn Sullivan play. It's the first time you've seen Olivier Ambizo since the first game of the season when he immediately was just not good enough. Um, of course, Jim Carton has to give him at least a second to win his job back, and he failed again at it, so stays on the bench. Like, these are extremely important when it comes to balancing a locker room because no one can say that they didn't get their chances. And, I mean, even Stuart Fenley will probably get more playing time as a result of this game because he did everything that he absolutely could and has been nothing but an amazing locker room guy for this team. And that's even another thing, like going back to our interview with Jack McGlynn, that he was just like, um, Stu does play a large role in the locker room. Like, I know we see a decent amount of it because he's great for um, social media when it comes to cracking jokes on all the team. But, like, those things matter. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, we're talking about it a little bit, right? I think, you know, you can't talk about the roster rotation without talking about that this was an Open Cup game. This wasn't an MLS regular season game. This was an Open Cup. And I think the big thing coming out of, I don't, you know, looking at you, looking at Twitter on Sunday and Monday, I don't think anybody was all that upset about a draw in LA. I mean, I think you, you, you go to LA, you play as well as the union did in LA. The game was entertaining. It was fun. It was exciting. Um, it was obviously two really good teams facing off against each other. Uh, and no one's going to come off of that. No one's going to come out of that and be like, well, dang, you tied the game. You're terrible. And blah, 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 blah. The reaction today, we're recording on Wednesday. Uh, the reaction today has been slightly different. Um, that I think there's a swath of the union fandom that is upset of the union not taking the Open Cup seriously because it's your shot at CCL. That is about what was gathered from the internets uh, over the past how many so hours that we have been able to read them. Um, And yes... The Open Cup is a way to get to CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, as someone was able to point out to us that it is one of three chances that a team gets a year to win a trophy and qualify for the Champions League. Um, it's kind of hard to take that route seriously when you're leading the pack in your conference had a chance to make it four to five trophies you can compete for a year. Um, so, it, I mean, it's a tough one because it, it kind of is coming from one where we were versus where we are now. Like, I mean, we all vividly remember the Open Cup final losses. I yep. was at... Um, Seattle and Sporting Kansas City in Philadelphia and then watched um, Houston on TV. Thank goodness I didn't figure out going to that game because 
don't need that in my life. Um, but like the open cup used to be the only thing that this team could win. And if they won the open cup, it didn't matter how the rest of the season went. The season was a success. And like, I, I would have wanted the team to still win the open cup this year, but things do change when you are where the union are currently. Like I know one, one thing was basically like, um, it takes five wins to get to CONCACAF Champions League in the Open Cup versus um, playing over a full MLS season. And, like, that's true, but you still don't guarantee in those five wins that you're going to actually win the tournament. You can still get into the final and lose. You still set yourself. As this team's up to, notorious for doing. <laughs> you still set yourself up best over the course of an entire season by actually going to win the league. Like we've seen the union draw. What is? Are, are we at four? Are we at four straight draws currently, or is it a three. loss in three draws? It's, um, it's three three draws in the league, and and then the loss. But yeah, yeah, but like I mean, but we're seeing that like even just these draws are enough to stay atop the conference. If you take care of business this weekend and beat New York rebels and looking at the other MLS teams in open cup, um, DC and New York rebels both rotate it. Um, Miami rotated. Um, Sporting Kansas City and FC Dallas rotated. The only team that didn't, and they did win handily against Portland, was LAFC. You know why they didn't? Because they didn't have to get on a commercial flight 48 hours before their game and go to another stadium to play this game. And jump a couple time zones in the process. But they literally had their game against the Union at home their open cup game at home. And then I'm pretty sure their game this weekend is also at home. Right. They get to take a nice little bike to work. Union have to wait for their pilot to finish his bag of chips before they can take off and get jet lag in the process and expect to perform at this insanely high level for a trophy that quite frankly has lost a bit of its glimmer. Now that a shield sits in Subaru park. Well, and now that that trophy was canceled for two years in a row and now made its return. I mean, so here's, here's, here's the other thing. And, and some of this comes from a little bit of my lower division perspective. The, the, the very real, there's a very real sense in me that there was not a reason in the world the union should have been playing the fourth place team in the East on the road. Should we, (laughs) should we have been on the road? Absolutely. But where should we have been? Uh, Detroit. 
uh, Louisville City. That's where we should have been. And I mean, even Richmond. You, Richmond, sure. If yeah. you if you do all this rotation against Louisville City, you probably still win the game. Like, yeah. and probably to nothing. You know, like it's probably not an issue. And no one is complaining today. But the reality is, the freaking whoever decided the way the Open Cup was going to work this year decided we were just going to have all the USL teams play each other, and then we're going to have MLS teams play each other. And that way, the USL teams get a little bit further in the tournament and blah, 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 blah. Instead of having, hey, cool, we'll send an MLS team to every USL stadium, let them get a game where they have where they sell out their tickets, they make a ton of money, and they and the fans there get a fun experience of watching their team against an MLS team. And so it's unfortunate to me that that's the way that this worked out. Like it, it's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing that, that happened. And unfortunately that's the way it goes, you know, and I, I'm not going to say like, oh man, you know, whatever. But to me, it's just frustrating. You know, it's frustrating that it, it is what it is. Uh, it's frustrating that we were, on the road two weeks in a row in opposite sides of the country in MLS play and then had to switch sides of the country on 72 hours of rest and go play another game, uh, you know, on the road. All of that was working against the union. And so I think it's, you know, there's part of me that's upset or disappointed that the union lost this game. But there's part of me that's just like, that's what's going to happen when the scenario that was put in front of you happens. Yeah, which, I mean, and and even, like, going a little bit further in that scenario, um, I can't remember if it was probably a game that did the math or somewhere else, but just this month of May, period, is, like, the worst month of scheduling that, like, MLS has ever thrown at the Union, because they have to play seven games between May 1st and May 28th. That's bonkers, guys. Like, all of you saw this coming. All of you saw this schedule when it came out and knew that this was going to happen. Well, the, the Open Cup game wasn't actually on there when the schedule came out. but I, And, like, when that happens, too, it's like, are you kidding me? Oh my god. When along the way of us being a very good MLS team, did we lose the mentality of, I guess it's everyone against us? Because this month of May is beating the hell out of this team. And where do you find yourself after these these seemingly poor results that have people questioning the approach, the lineup, the coach, all this? You're still in first place in your conference and you get to have your rival come into your stadium for a first versus second place game showdown with rested players. But, Paul, they could be fifth if they lose two games and draw another and do this and that. That sounds like you're doomsdaying, my friend, and that's not healthy. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's the, here's the thing. In... Reality, <laughs> this game this weekend matters much more than last weekend. 
And so how do you, you know, yes, you went to LAFC, you got sort of a disappointing draw because you were up twice in the game, but it's a West, it's a Western conference team and the games against the Eastern conference matter way more. And so you, this game is on Saturday is it's worth three points to you. It's worth six points to you actually. And so you have to win the game and it's it's way more important than beating Orlando in the Open Cup. Sorry. Yep. And, uh, and uh, go ahead, Chuck. I was just going to say, I mean, and the thing is, like, Jim Curtin knows exactly what he's doing. Like, you mortgage rolling your lineup in this Open Cup game to beat your quote-unquote rival, because, I mean, there obviously are plenty of debates on if the Union truly have a rival, but at least a team that is seed as their rival and as of right now is worthy of being their rival because is the team right behind them in the conference. You have home games against both New York Red Bulls and inner Miami four days apart from one another. Um, And they would hope that with this rest that they win those before guess what? They have to go across the fucking country again. Where are they going to, Chuck? Over to Portland, correct? They are. Yeah. That's freaking nuts, guys. Like, that is nuts that they have to go through this. Oh, and then six days later, you come back across the country to play New England at Gillette. Yeah. Yeah. I I, 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 I just don't understand. What I did want to bring up before that was going on was... Um, there was also a note that um, I didn't give a crap about this Open Cup game and that the game to not give a crap about was the LAFC game. It, it mattered more to care about this Open Cup game than it did to matter about or to care about fielding a lineup for the LAFC game. And I just don't, I just don't know if it's as simple as that. You know, like, I, I feel like if, you know, this fan base is going to stay up at 11 p.m. and at 10 p.m. they get the lineup that there have been some squad rotation and this is the game they're arresting people, there would have been a shouting match. No one would have watched that game and it would have been a it would have been a disaster and people the next morning would have been asking so many questions and we, we'd probably be right around here no matter what anyway. So I, I just, I don't think it's as cut and dry as which game mattered more to give less of a shit about. Because performing against those West Coast teams is important. These are the teams that you're going to have to beat if you want to run at the trophy that you really, really want. And people, you you don't really, really want the Open Cup. We The bar's higher than that. Well, Isn't well, it? You, you, Aren't we past it? Like, if the Open Cup happens, we win the Open but you Cup, still, and there's you still another crash the and cup. burn in the playoffs, where are we going to find ourselves, guys? Where are we going to be? But you, right here well, again. You, you do, <laughs> but you do still want the Open Cup. Like, yeah. I, I, I definitely won't go as far to say you don't want it, because you want every trophy you can get. Um, But you can't mortgage the trophies and prize money because that's important too. That means more 
um, than the Open Cup because outside of that CCL plays that the Union are currently still on track for, none of the other prizes from Open Cup are worth a damn thing. Yeah. Like, and so for me, like, the other thing to think about is, like, so looking goggles into the future, uh, we play Orlando City on September 10th of 2022. What if there's a semifinal game that week before in Orlando City has to mortgage the farm for their semifinal game in the Open Cup because that's the way they're going to get into CCL. And we get to throw a half lineup out there and easily beat Orlando City because they have to put their B lineup out because they just mortgaged the farm for their for their Open Cup game. Then is anybody going to complain about the fact that we lost to Orlando back in April? I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, well, I mean, they're also, sitting in fourth place right now too. Like they can't afford to really slip up in their in their regular season race too. So they're in a way worse off spot when they have to make these decisions as opposed to when if the, the Union first... has to make them in May. But I mean, also if the first team played against Orlando and the kids mm-hmm. played against Red Bull at home, would everyone just be okay with losing against Rebels? No, oh, not even a little bit. Especially because they miss the team so much, and then you get to come home and see that Jim doesn't give a crap about this game, but at least you've made it to the next round here's, of a cup tournament. Here's the thing overall that I think is like true for me, and like the reality that we're going to sit with forever, and it's going to be a struggle bus, and it, it doesn't matter. But the reality for me is like, the lineup that played against Orlando last night was not an indication in any way that Jim doesn't care about the Open Cup. If you trust your kids, and if you're going to play your kids, and if you think your kids are better than everyone else's kids, then you need to put them in pressure situations. And in the first round that you're in, the Open Cup is not a pressure situation. But you need to put them in pressure situations so that they gain experience so that, hey, if Alejandro Bedoya goes down in September and cannot play the rest of the season, you're okay with Jack McGlynn or Quinn Sullivan stepping in on the right side of midfield in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, this is not an indication that Jim doesn't care about the Open Cup or that the organization doesn't care about the Open Cup. And as we've been talking about tonight, perspective matters a lot. And when you get to the end of the season in MLS play, there's, oh, wait, like four different ways for you as the union to make the open cut or to make CCL. One, you can win your conference. You don't even have to win the supporter shield. Just win your conference. Two, you can win the supporter shield and get into CCL that way. Three, you can make MLS final and lose. And, oh, guess what? Still make the open or still make CCL. And fourth, you can win the MLS final. And, oh, wait, you make MLS cut or you make CCL. <laughs> And so, oh, wait, we still have four different ways to make CCL, not one way to make CCL by getting into the Open Cup. So all that to say, I think perspective matters a lot. And it is hard 24 hours after a game to have perspective to say, okay, wait, this is a whole season that we're playing here. This is there's other games surrounding this game. 
And so what do you do against LAFC? Can you put a full lineup out there, make it a good game? Can you play your B team against Orlando City? And, oh, wait, we did make that a game and almost, you know, had chances to tie that game. And then can you play your A lineup against New New York Red Bulls and, again, separate yourself at the top of the table? So it's your perspective matters a lot. And I, I, it's hard 24 hours after the game to have that perspective. But I can almost guarantee that October 10th, the day after the season ends, and we've beaten Toronto, and we might be in first place, we're not going to look back at our game against Orlando City and go, oh, shoot, we lost that game. Yeah. Yep, we'll, we'll just have enjoyed Open Cup matches as neutral people who like a good tournament every once in a while. And it'll be nice, and we'll be able to have a nice little laugh about it. And, God, that'll hopefully be the end of it. Perspective matters a lot. It really does. It well, really does. So, we have, uh, I, I want to say three games before we probably talk to everybody again. New York Red Bulls on Saturday at home. Inter-Miami at home on Wednesday. And next Sunday, we travel to Portland for, oh, wait, another 10 o'clock kickoff. I don't know, guys. I don't want to maybe make predictions on each game, but nine available points. I'm How cool many are you satisfied with? I'm cool with six. I am satisfied with five, but I see seven. Okay. Yeah, I mean, five is results across the board. And, of course, you take that. You know, there's one of those games that you have to bite bite a real ball. Yeah, I just don't think Portland is very good. So if there's a cross-country road trip that you need to take on short rest, it's going to Portland. I I unfortunately uh, think the Union are going to lose this game on Saturday to Red Bull. Uh, and they're going to bounce back in a really heavy way against Miami and travel to Portland and get a road win, which will if Aaron, really reset If Aaron things. Long doesn't um, appear in that game, do you change your uh, prediction? Yeah, yeah. If he's not in that game, then by all means, you know, they're, they're going to try to yeah. play as direct as you are. You might as well go the hell at them and have yourself a shootout. Yeah, because uh, um, Red Bull tried to not rotate in Open Cup, and could lose their center back and captain for it. Yeah, yeah, I, and I'm I'm basing this off, you know, a lot of gut right now. I'm not as smart as Chuck here, but I that's the feeling that I have right now with this union trajectory. I feel like this this bump up needs to really have an actual gut-wrenching result that I don't warrant for a 2-1 loss to Orlando in the Open Cup. <laughs> So I'm going to let Saturday be the uh, the really bad one, and then that's when things are really going to kick into gear. Um, I honestly think, I mean, so for me, I, I would actually be satisfied with four points as long as your three come against New York. Um, I think, you know, if your three come against New York, you get one against Miami or Portland, you're probably still sitting at the top of the table in, in, a, week, in a week and a half time. Um, I, I think, you know, 
Uh, Chuck, I'm similar to you, though, that I, I think there is a pretty easy possibility of seven. So we'll see. But we'll probably be back after those three games to chat with you before uh, New England. And then we get a couple-week break until uh, with the international break and all of that. So we'll see what happens there. But um, I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how this episode is reviewed in the wild but i think i think it's hard to have perspective 24 hours after a game and given time not sure the open cup matters that much yes if if you've made it this far thanks for hearing us out and we know we you are very much appreciated here no if you agree with us or not you know, it's all engaging in discourse and having these conversations because we love soccer so much. Uh, so just, just take that with you before you go online and tell me that I'm an idiot. I, I know it's coming, but don't make me feel bad. No, come fight me, please. Okay, well, yeah, ch- uh, yeah. yeah go Chuck fight Chuck. Says my, says <laughs> deflect, deflect, deflect. Well, I, uh, I mean, I had a little too much time on social media after the Open Cup last night. <laughs> it's not a luxury you're usually afforded in your line of work, Chuck, so I'm glad you could take it to do something productive. <laughs> All right, guys, well, that's it for us tonight. We'll see you in a couple weeks. We love you. Go Union. Most of you. You have just listened to an episode of Season 4 of Using the Bridge. You can find us all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at VFTBPod. Thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We're also sponsored by Robbie over at Icarus FC. Icarus will make the custom kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Get started at IcarusFC.com. Do you enjoy the show and want to support us? There are two ways. You can head to Design Tree at dsgntree.com slash VFTB for all of our latest merch. Or you can just buy us a coffee or beer at Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash VFTBpod. Thanks for listening and your support. Views from the Bridge is also a podcast of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Head over there to find all kinds of soccer writing, content, and other podcasts. For Evan Villela, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft, signing off.